stop us. I think but we should I, just do no, it. No, I think we should continue. No, that's fine. I'm just saying, like, just good looking content. That's it. No, they'll, I, I they'll agree. be mood lighting I and agree. foliage. Yeah, can we get some? Uh, nice. Can we get some bisexual lighting strips? You know, you know what I'm talking about gamer I, strips, bisexual gamer lighting I strips. I don't think that's the aesthetic she's going for no. for this room. No, I think it'd be good for the podcast. No, I think that's you think it'd be good for the podcast. Yeah, I think it'd there's be, probably going to be a lot of like 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 vine decor in that room. Mm. Okay, I got a I got a good uh, tapestry for that actually. For vines? Yeah. Is it? Trust me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're going to dig it, man. You're listening to The Good, The Bad, and The Funny, a podcast where three comedians sit down and tell three stories, one good, one bad, one funny. The Good, The Bad, and The Funny is the only educational podcast that makes you actively dumber. I'm your host, Lynette Thomas, and something that I think is really funny uh, when people are angry and they start projecting and they just like spiral on some stuff and the person that they're directing their anger towards cuts them off with like, who who said that to you? <laughs> like brings them back to reality. A really good example of this is um, is the Bagel Boss video like from a few years ago where that little short man was like yelling at bitches in a bagel shop and... Um, and he's like, you know, tell me that I'm too short to get laid or whatever. And then a lady in the background's like, who said that to you, sir? No one said that to you. Another good example of this is um, R. Kelly's interview with Gail King when, um, when he says, what about the parents? The parents are responsible. Are you telling me that parents allowed their kids to be... Uh, locked up in my basement being tortured by me and he goes on and on just like super descriptive and and Gail's like who said you did that who who said that to you that's like one of um the funniest the funniest moments um to me okay so let's um let's do some quick little housekeeping uh you can probably tell um, there's nobody else on this podcast right now because I killed them. Um, no, there's nobody else on this podcast because I accidentally deleted my portion of this episode when we recorded it all together. And at first I was just going to be like, hey, that's fine. We'll just have two stories for the podcast. But we referenced the story that I told several times throughout the rest of the episode. So I'm just going to solo dolo. Um tell this story and I'm sorry for the lack of commentary but I guess I'll try I'll try to make it interesting I want to tell the story of Garbo the spy now um this story is a little well known there was a movie about this man um I get such delight uh in the name Garbo (laughs) It's so good. He sounds like a like a Marx brother, like a like a um like a wacky clown spy, and I like that a lot. So anyway, let's tell this story. Um Garbo the spy. So Juan Garcia was born in 1912 in Spain to a conservative Catholic mother 
and a socially liberal father. He was, some people called him a rebel. I don't think that's a good terminology for it. I have a a daughter um, who has always um, had a strong sense of her own morality and a strong moral compass that is unique to her and her experiences. And she's been this way since she was um, born. Uh, she, it, it, like, things have to align with her morality for her to do them. She's not one that can be peer pressured and she's willing to make a stand for herself. And that's what I see in Garbo um, or in Juan Garcia. So I think um, he's one of those people who will, you know, um, is not necessarily or inherently disrespectful or mean or terrible, but um, believes what he believes and will and and will um, make decisions based off of that, no matter how hard they are or how hard he has to work uh, to do them. He's not a go with the flow kind of person. Um, it doesn't seem like he is a he seems like a man who stands on business, as the kids say. So <clears throat> uh, he left school at the age of 16. Well, let me backtrack a little bit. So he was born to a conservative Catholic mother and a socially liberal father. He was the third of four kids. And at the age of seven, he was sent off to a boarding school uh, 20 miles away from his birthplace of Barcelona. Um, He remained there for the next four years. And boarding schools are crazy, right? (laughs) Like... That is truly some shit. I'll never, I'll never truly understand. I honestly, I guess it's not even like boarding schools are crazy. I guess my brain is like, do they work or don't they? Like, do they have a purpose in society or not? And I really cannot tell because it may be better for a child to leave their mother and father and for a period of time live with other people and experience other young humans there, like peers their own age, without the burden of their parents' influence. Does that make sense? Like, I could understand boarding schools being a good thing if they weren't run always by the worst institutions and people. I could see the benefit of someone being able to go four years without direct contact with their super homophobic parents or like, I feel like parents put, parents give you so much like trauma and baggage and stuff you have to deal with stuff that like they put so much influence on you and you, and as a child, you like spout the beliefs of your parents often. Right. And I don't know. I think maybe boarding schools could be good if the purpose of them was to make your child a well-rounded person in society. I don't know. I just think that the concept of a boarding school is a little fucking nuts. Right. Like I can't imagine myself as a parent relinquishing the care of my child for years, (laughs) like for years on end. Okay. The enough of the fucking tangent back to Garbo. So he went to a boarding school when he was seven and he stayed there for four years. The students at this boarding school were only allowed, I'm sorry, they were only allowed to like leave the school on Sundays 
um, if there was like a visitor present. So Garbo's dad would come every every Sunday to come and get his kid, which is again a little insane. Like like we wonder why people were so cruel and brutal and savages back in the day. And I think this is what, like, like what kind of society is it where you're confining children to your little four-year boarding school jail? And if they don't have anyone who's willing to make the trip to come and see them, every Sunday they're just like stuck there and we're like, oh, why is there evil in the world? And it's like, damn, because y'all was putting little kids in prison, basically. Anyway. He was at boarding school. He was there four years. Uh, then he left boarding school and then went back to Barcelona and began attending a school that was run by one of his dad's buddies. He left school uh, at the age of 16, though, due to a disagreement with the teacher. And he was like, I'm not doing this anymore. He then decided to run a, a cinema for a while and began le- learning animal husbandry. Listen, I truly did not know what the fuck animal husbandry was i don't know what i thought it was but i i I don't know but apparently animal husbandry is like uh basically being a breeder and getting animals together but i I guess i thought it was like husband and wife pigs that you like married animals together which it happens in our society today and i just don't know why it wouldn't happen in another society i feel like that is some kooky ass shit um old stuffy people you know, throughout Europe would do. So whatever. It's not that. It's just it's just breeding animals and learning how to breed animals. Okay. So um he began learning animal husbandry. So he okay, so he studied animal husbandry at the Royal Poultry School in in Spain and also working as a manager at the cinema or managing a cinema. His father passed away before kind of all of the war tensions started to kick up in Spain, but he left his family pretty well provided for. His father um, owned a factory and then this factory was taken over by uh, socialist socialist as the as the um political tensions began to rise in spain his father's factory was taken over by by the workers uh, in the very early stages of the spanish civil war in 1931 he was forced to serve his compulsory compulsory six months in the military um he hated the military he just realized he was it wasn't he wasn't suit for suited for it so he he hated his military career he hated riding horses this is something that's mentioned over like all of the information that i've read about this man uh he hated riding horses he hated the military and he <laughs> said he lacked the essential qualities for the military those essential qualities being loyalty generosity and honor which is like just a bold thing to say but i agree it's like it's like when you work at a job and they're like do you you know do you embody the 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 ideals or the mission of this corporation and it's like not really i mean and i assume that's kind of how how garbo felt like i don't think that he was completely uh unloyal i think just unloyal to the military and i don't think that he wasn't generous i think he just wasn't generous to the war effort and i think that he had honor which we're actually going to see here i think he had loads of honor but just not honor towards the ideals um okay let's just take some time to 
set the stage here um, on on Garbo's life at the time. So let's talk about the Spanish Civil War. This war was fought between 1936 to 1939 between the Republicans and the Nationalists. The Republicans were left-leaning um, and a part of the popular front government of the Second Spanish Republic. So these are socialist, communist, separatist, anarchist, like far left spectrum um, based good guys. We love them. I mean, we love the ideals. They were kind of shitheads, but we love the ideals. And the nationalists were, were an alliance of monarchists and conservatives and traditionalists. Uh, this war was fought on many fronts and there is so much history so much uh spanish civil war lore but the bare bones look at this war was basically fascist nationalists traditionalists established government against socialists and and communists and people that wanted things to run for the people by the people versus people that wanted a strong charismatic dictatorship or leader so it's the fascists versus the socialist um a tale as old as time a tale as old as time those are always the two factions that are fighting so anyway Let's get back to Garbo. So at 31, he was forced to join, join the military. He fucking hated it. He hated horses, which is weird. But I was like, oh, how does he hate horses? He was researching animal husbandry, but he was doing that shit at the Poultry Institute. So I think he just liked chickens and he didn't really like any other animals. And then he said that he lacked all the qualities um, for military service. Okay, so... Um, he did his six months of compulsory military service, and then he just went back to fucking farming chickens uh, and was pretty happy about it. But the Republicans, the Republican side of this like brewing conflict that becomes the Spanish Civil War, the Republican or socialist side of that, um, they first take, you know, Garbo's dad's factory and then they put garbo's mom his sister's fiance and his sister uh in prison basically because they they said that they were being counter-revolutionaries so a relative uh basically rescued them but garbo was a little fucking annoyed he was then called up from military service for the socialists the republican side but he, he obviously he just kind of opposed the socialists, the Republicans, because of what they had done to his family. So he just refused and hid at his girlfriend's home. But then the police captured him in a raid and imprisoned him. And he was eventually freed by a resistance group of right wingers, traditionalists. Um, so on the opposite side of the socialists. Anyway, he was freed by them and given a fake ID that basically told said that he was too old to serve in the military. So he went back to his fucking chicken farm. And when he got back to his chicken farm, he realized that the socialists had taken his goddamn chicken farm. So he's like, at this point, he just fucking hates the socialists, right? They keep taking all of his shit. And I do understand like, hey man, you know, I, I understand 
to take it for the good of all. But it's like, are you taking it for the good of all? Because this nigga was just alone on his, his damn chicken farm. Like, what was he doing that made you take his farm? Did you need his farm? You probably didn't need his farm. So anyway, he's pissed. So he joins the socialist. Like, okay, so he, so he's pissed that his farm is gone. He doesn't really have much. So he goes and he's like, fine, I'll just fucking join the military. So he does. He goes and joins the military on the socialist side. He became a telegraph operator for the socialists. And as soon as he was close enough running his telegraph line, as soon as he was close enough to the opposition, to the, um, to the fascist, side of things he just ran across the line and surrendered to the fascists because he wanted to fight against the socialists and the only reason why he decided to join the military was to get an opportunity to escape the socialist and join the republic or i'm sorry to escape the socialists and join the fascist side when he surrendered on the fascist side, they beat the shit out of him and put him in jail because they didn't believe he actually wanted to join their side. And he really didn't want to join their side. He didn't really give a fuck about their politics. He just really, really hated the socialists for taking all of his shit. He just cares about his fucking chickens. Let that man farm his damn chickens, right? So so eventually they let him join the nationalists war effort or whatever he they let him join the side and he immediately grew to dislike their fascism he hated that they were just so like bloodthirsty and angry all the time and didn't like the bloodshed of war and didn't like either ideology that contributed to both sides of this conflict like he thought that the socialists were he thought that the socialists didn't give a fuck about people and just stole all of their stuff and didn't didn't care about the outcome of that you can't purport to want to do something for the people and then exclude people and disenfranchise people just because they own the thing that you want like there's other ways right so he's he does not like their ideology and he didn't like the ideology of the fascist because it was just like weird and aggressive and fashy <laughs> nobody nobody likes that dude it sucks so he really he really grew to dislike both sides of this conflict and um after the war ended he was pretty proud of himself for fighting for both sides of that war and never firing a shot and never contributing to the bloodshed and violence the war eventually ends i don't know enough about the spanish civil war to tell you what the outcome was but i'm just going to fucking assume it was somewhere in the middle <laughs> i don't know Two years after the Spanish Civil War ended, Juan was married with a son and I'm pretty sure uh, was trying to still farm chickens, but it just proved to be less lucrative after the war. So I'm just going to assume the fucking socialist one. I don't know. Anyway, so he's married with, with, with a child. And at this time, a new group is making waves throughout Europe. And that group was the National Socialist Party, a.k.a. the Nazis. Now, if you were listening to this story, you know that the two ideologies that Juan fucking hates 
are nationalists and socialists. When the National Socialist Party cropped its ugly head up, this was a man on a mission. He had a fucking vendetta. He was pissed. He did not like Nazis. It's truly just the combination of two things. He completely fucking hates, dude. And I get that. I relate to that on such a deep internal fucking level of like something that is like just the distilled, the concentrated version of the things that you hate. You ever meet a fucking person? Like you ever meet a white woman? Like, You ever meet a white woman who, you know, weaponizes her tears and is super into fucking barn life and um, casually says the N word and you're like, oh my God, you're just like all the things I hate in one person, like in one thing. Oh my God. Ew. Uh, Yeah, that's how he felt about the Nazis, how I feel about annoying white women. Okay, so anyway. Um, he hears about the Nazis and he's like, let me be a British spy because they're trying to attack Britain. I want to become a British spy. He went to the British embassy in Madrid three times, him and his wife, to try to become a British spy, but they kept turning him down. So he decided to change gears and went to the German consulate and told them he wanted to be a spy for them. He created a backstory of being a Nazi sympathizing politician in Spain who was going over to Britain um, on a diplomatic mission. Germany sent one of their own spies to basically vet him and they concluded that Juan was completely legit. They gave him lessons in espionage. They gave him invisible ink, a book of German codes and 600 pounds. They wanted him to go while he was in while he was on his mission in Britain. They wanted him to go and create a network of British spies that were sympathetic to Germany to create a um, basically a bed of intel that the Germans could could utilize. Instead of going to London, he just went to Lisbon and bought up a bunch of newspapers. He also bought a lot of British books kind of detailing what it was what life in Britain was like. Okay, and then he he wrote a bunch of letters to the Germans pretending as if he was in London. He didn't understand how British money worked, so he would just kind of round up on expense reports to Germany and tell them that he'd figure out all the actual details and and kind of break all the monetary stuff down after the war was over and Germany won. And the Germans he was working with loved this. They were like, oh my God, he's just, what a great guy. He doesn't care about money right now. He just wants us to win. Like what a, what a cool dude. He starts to work on this network of British people sympathetic to Germany um, to hand over to, to, I'm sorry, let me fucking, good grief, let me rephrase that. So he began work on creating his network of spies um, of British citizens sympathetic to uh, Nazi Germany who the Germans could utilize as their as their spies um, and he just uh, made these people up like just a whole cloth um, formed them out of thin fucking air um, Germany put together a dossier with all of the spies that he fucking made up um, the British MI5 kind of believed that this network 
was real. So like the British FBI believed that that Garbo's network of spies were real people and began trying to figure out who the British spy could be. <laughs> That's like training all of these other spies. And this whole time Garbo is just like chilling in Spain with his family. You know, none of this stuff is actually happening. Uh, this went on for about a year. Uh, when the United States came to Spain, Juan submitted all of the things that he had that he had done to the United States. And he's like, hey, look, I want to be a spy. I went to Britain. They told me no. So I just thought, hey, I'll go to Germany and pretend to be a spy for them. I made up all of this shit. Look at all of the things that I did. Look at all the intel I'm getting here. Look, this is dope. And so the United States get him get him on MI, MI6, the British spy program, and kind of work that deal out. And in 1942, he moves to London and became the double agent called Garbo. MI6, with all of their resources, kind of helped him flesh out this um, network of spies that didn't really exist and added more credibility to the to the stuff that he was taking, that he was submitting over. The Nazis actually, at this time, quit recruiting new spies <laughs> because they thought that Garbo had recruited enough spies. So he was able to keep all of this up by... Um, feeding the Germans either fake information, information that wasn't really important, uh, like true information, but it wasn't really important, or great information that like whoopsie daisied uh, was delayed somehow. Some very pertinent information arrived late to, <laughs> to Germany. Um, and they were like, hey, man, this information is late. Like, it would have been nice. Why is this information getting to us so late? And so, so he, so Garbo was like, oh man, I'm so sorry. This information got to you so late. I had sent it out on time. It should have gotten to you on time, but it turns out that the spy that was taking the information to you, he died. And then MI6 helped create a obituary for a man who didn't exist, um, and when the Germans caught wind of the obituary, they were like, oh, so sorry for doubting you. And then sent money over to Garbo to give to the family of this person that didn't fucking exist. Okay, so let's talk about D-Day. Garbo knows information about the actual Normandy attack and also about the the deceptive blow up tanks right so the americans are like hey we want you to to stay credible with these people because we don't know when this war is going to be over so so i want you to continuously feed them information so from from the time that the germans contacted garbo and said hey we think something big is going to happen garbo is in communication with the germans he sends like 500 or some messages uh, like like radio transmits and messages to the Germans during this time, giving them bits of information, unimportant information, you know, not enough to fuck the allies up, but enough that the Germans will think that he's doing his job right as a spy for them. So then the Americans are like, hey, they're like, Normandy's about to go down. 
this is the this is the day it's it's fucking happening we're doing the shit uh so in order for you to remain credible garbo i need you we need you to go ahead and give them information we're going to make the information late but we want you to give them give them some tidbits some bits of information right um none of all of it will be inconsequential or whatever so garbo radios into them at three o'clock in the morning but nobody responds to garbo until a fucking 8 a.m right after shit has already began popping off which since shit had already begun popping off garbo was able to get on the radio when when they actually got back to him at 8 a.m after shit had popped off uh, he was able to get on the radio and be like, damn, I was about to tell you about da 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 like all of this information. He wasn't going to give them all of that information if the plan had gone as it was originally intended. But because somebody on the German side slipped up and didn't answer his radio between 3 a.m. and 8 a.m., Garbo was able to pretend as if he was going to give them this huge swath of big information that was going, that would have potentially helped the Germans out when Normandy started, right? So he's like, yeah, I was gonna tell you blah, 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 and just could give them good, credible information of the shit that actually happened because now the shit had already happened. So then he could just lie and be like, oh, I was gonna tell you all this shit. So anyway, that happens. And then Garbo, 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 Garbo has um, just, just such a, just such a big, uh, meaty schlong that he then, um, after, after being like, hey, I was gonna tell you all this, da, 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 da. He then, gets mad at the Germans and it was like, hey man, I'm trying to do a fucking job here. I'm trying to defend and protect Nazis and y'all are fucking lacking because I, I had the information and I was and I was ready to talk to you, but you didn't answer my fucking phone calls and, and you're a disgrace to Germany, you know? Crazy. <laughs> so, um, he told them that they who was disgusted in them for missing his messages and and he said he cannot accept excuses or negligence were it for my were it not for my ideals i would abandon this work and it's like the cojones on this guy the fucking cojones on this man to be actively working against them and then like uh, it's just so good to be actively working against them, know he's full of shit, and then to be like, they slip up one time and he just takes full advantage of their slip up to like further endear him to their cause. Uh, it's just wild, and I love it. Due to this, he was given, for his dedication and service to Germany, he was given the Iron Cross, which is the highest military award that you can win in Germany. The Nazis went to him and they're like, hey, you're on the ground there in Britain. Um, we've been bombing the fuck out of Britain at this point. This is towards the end of the war. Everything is wrapping up. We've been bombing the fuck out of Britain at this point. Uh, how's Britain looking? Are we devastated? Are we getting her? Are we getting her good? How's it going? And Garbo couldn't answer the question because either way he answered that question would be bad so if he said yeah you're getting you're you're getting them good then they would just escalate a final 
oomph in the Germans to go in and take over Britain, right? So we can't do that. And if he said like, no, actually Britain's unscathed or people seem to be fine here, then they would ramp up the the air assault on Britain and devastate and kill more people, right? So he couldn't really say. So <laughs> what him and MI6 cooked up was that he had been arrested. So they pretended he was arrested for being a Nazi spy and he couldn't come and, um, and they exiled him from Britain. So he, he had no idea what the bombings were looking like because he wasn't allowed there anymore. He continued to be a spy for Germany, though, just saying that he <laughs> just uh, just, you know, get feeding Germans bad intel um, and saying like, oh, yeah, you know, I still have my network of spies and I'm just like lurking around the British boundaries um, so I can still like send you this information. The Nazis ended up giving him three hundred thousand dollars. Um, Britain also, after the war, Britain gave him the most excellent order of the British Empire, which is the highest military award that you could win and where you could receive in Britain at the time, which means that he got the highest award on both the allies side and and the what did what do we call them? The axis of evil. Isn't that a little much? Anyway, uh <laughs> he's he got the highest military award on both sides of World War II and is the only human being who can say that. He, after the war, uh, moved to Venezuela and then he was eventually hunted down by British politicians who just needed to find him to congratulate him and thank him basically for everything he did um, to fuck up Germany and to obfuscate and and um, um, muddle up the waters so that World War II didn't end up being worse than it was. Um, and he died in 1988. Um, I love this story so much. Uh, I love Garbo so much. If you have a chance, please go go look at a picture of him. He's such a rapscallion. Uh, and I, and I deeply adore the man. I, I love this story so much because he did so much by doing not much of anything. You know what I'm saying? Like to have such a strong confidence in self and, um, moral core, uh, allowed Garbo to, basically um stand up to the germans like what a scary position to be in world war ii was was pretty awful for everyone and to go out of your way to become involved in such a struggle just because you fucking hate nationalists and socialists to and then and then to truly gum up the gears of Nazi Germany in such a way that they stopped recruiting for spies in Britain. You know what I'm, I'm saying? Like truly what a dude, what an amazing, what an amazing man. And I, I love that he just wanted to have his chickens in his farm, but 
but Nazi started. <laughs> Nazi Nazism came up. And so he's like, no, nah, fuck this. Like, I guess I'll be fucking Batman then. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, and it, what an ingenious way to, you know, because like he could have just been like, oh, the British don't want me to be a spy. All right, whatever. I'm in Spain. This truly doesn't, this doesn't really like, super affect me i can just live with my chickens in spain you know he could have just washed his hands after the the british embassy denied him three times but instead he was like no you know what i'm saying modern problems call for modern solutions these nazis gotta motherfucking go uh and yeah i love that for him (laughs) like he's so good he's so good um i yeah i just i just love I just love the story so much and I and I love someone who like I said he reminds me a lot of my daughter just being so of himself and so secure in who and who he is and his ideals and his morals and uh, I love the independence in his nature like um, I love that he it was like no these ideologies are so fucking bad and so harmful. Fuck them niggas. I don't live in Germany. I don't live in Britain. But these niggas got to be dealt with. Like, I'm going to go deal with them. It's garbo time. It's fucking garbo time. And he continued to um, hold true to his values that were stated earlier when he was very happy that during the Spanish Civil War, he was he served on both sides and did not fire a shot foreshadowing and he did the same thing when it came to world war ii and it's like you know again modern problems call for modern solutions like he was really a thinking man's independent revolutionary and i think we could all learn a lot from garbo so that's that story um thank you for listening i hope it makes sense uh this is the end of my fucking story And the rest of this episode actually has my comrades in it. So um, here we go. Yeehaw. My white woman this week. Drum roll, please. Is Rachel. Oh, God. Ray? Compton. Uh, Dolezal? Damn. I don't even know who that that is. Damn. Um, I was real. I really thought we were going to get Stacey for one good political uh, a layered piece, but no. Well, sorry to disappoint. It's Rachel Hollis. Oh, Rachel Hollis. That's they were on a break. Sorry. They found. That sounds familiar. All right. Well, she might be familiar. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck was that energy for? <laughs> I I don't know. You just you might have heard of her. Well, she's is, she might be. She is a a public figure of some sort. Oh, otherwise, how a how sexy would I sort? How oh. would I even know? I uh, mean, she's she's cute. She's cute. I'm not gonna lie. Wait, let's get. I want to guess what she does. Does she make music? No. Is she an actress? She wishes. Is she an influencer? Yes. TikTok. No. Instagram. Yes. Is she a, <laughs> does she do makeup tutorials? Uh, no. 
Okay. Does she do true crime shit? <laughs> no. Did you already tell us this story? No. Is it? <laughs> what is happening? I don't know. <laughs> Will you just tell us the story? I, I was going to. <laughs> you just started guessing. Did she kill somebody? I wish. Did she get killed? I also <laughs> kind of wish. <laughs> oh, jeez. No. Oh, oh, no. Okay. Is uh, she Australian? No. Is she British? No. Is she a Nazi? She <clears throat> is a 40-year-old <laughs> <laughs> from Weed Patch, California. That was going to be my next Patch, guess. California? Oh. Yeah. That's yep. not a place. I want to. Can we move there? Can we visit there? I don't want to move there. That sounds like a terrible place to live. <laughs> this sounds like a great place to visit. Can you imagine? The That's probably their town over there? slogan. Slogans to <laughs> weed patch. Terrible place to live. Can you imagine the cryptids over there? Probably terrible. The stoned Bigfoot. Yeah. It's just a wook <laughs> trying to sell you some Molly. I don't care that it's not racist. That sounds so racist. I know. I can't take it. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So her uh, her father was um, a preacher, and um, she. I don't. I didn't like hear directly from her mouth things that she said about it, but apparently it was a pretty rough childhood, and um, and any time that her father actually paid any attention to her was if she actually did something really great. Mm. Um, I think that's the only time your father is supposed to. Yeah, that seems right. Pay attention to you. But it, to me, it sounds like she probably had a pretty average childhood. Oh, she just wasn't great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, she's four? She's 40. 40. I thought you said four. 40. That's why I laughed so hard. <laughs> no, I don't want a four-year-old child Dude, to get this murdered. this podcast is insane. Um, our vibes are crazy today <laughs> seriously <laughs> all right she uh grew up and um she moved to uh la and um sorry <laughs> <laughs> like what truly what is happening <laughs> what what happened Just okay, she, she grew up and um and let me, let me try it. let me try that again <laughs> okay she moved to la uh to go to acting school um and i wrote for some reason uh which is hilarious i don't know why i wrote that (laughs) (laughs) maybe it'll reveal itself later on (laughs) i i don't know um uh a few months um into the first year of that school she ended up getting an internship at miramax films and she said back when that mattered <laughs> which that, that confused me like does back- it not matter right like, well they're not as big as they used it's to be it's still right? miramax film yeah, yeah. <laughs> are they like the fact that we know what miramax sure. films is sure. is enough for it to oh. matter oh my god this is so ironic okay the reason I wrote this, is, which which is hilarious, is because I copy and pasted this. This whole thing is a direct quote from her. Oh. So I don't know why so she she's said. she's saying. Which is hilarious. Which is hilarious. Back when that mattered. <laughs> but what's also ironic 
is that this whole story is about her basically copying and pasting her life and being uh, a plagiarizer. Oh, okay. Hell yeah. I love a good plagiarizing story. So I love that I started that off accidentally plagiarizing her. Plagiarist. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Um, anyway... Uh, while she was working at Miramax, she met uh, Dave Hollis, who was... Uh, okay, her name, her last name was not originally Hollis. I don't know what it was. Um, Probably like Jackson. Uh, Stevens. I don't, I don't know. But uh, but she met Dave Hollis, who is a D- Disney executive. Garbo. And they started dating, but he basically just treated her like a booty call and like he wouldn't um, introduce her to anyone as his girlfriend, and which is basically like a, a shitty fuckboy. Hell yeah, brother. Um, but We've then been there on both sides. Mm. Um, but then she broke up with him. Good for her. And then uh, he was like, "Oh my god, I totally took you for granted. I didn't appreciate you." And then she took him back. And this they was, always uh, take him back. Mm, this is a common yeah. thread well, on the show. This think, is, they always take him back. I think, though, for women, it's like, like women uh, like somebody, and like that's who their eyes are on. This isn't just for women. Men are the same way too sometimes. But like, you know, they find someone, and that's just who they wanted. They could do whatever they wanted to. You know what I mean? Because that's just who they wanted. You know. Mm-mm. That's just how it goes sometimes. Yeah, um, <clears throat> but so she was 19 and he was 27. So yeah. not only was he a dick, but he it was also like a little bit predatory. A little bit predatory. Yeah. He's skirting the line. Yeah. Um, Jesse's real quiet for some reason. I, okay. <laughs> So, um, yeah, basically their their whole relationship seemed kind of abusive on, on his end. Yep. And then her, like, claiming that she changed him. And that was kind of, like, her whole thing. Poor baby. Um, she wrote several books, including uh, Sweet Girl, Party Girl, Smart Girl, uh, which were all... Uh, like fiction. I'll be honest with girl. you. She sounds terrible. Mm-hmm. Just based off of the book she wrote. And then she wrote some um, uh, self-help books called uh, Girl, Wash Your Face, Girl, Stop Apologizing. And then finally she wrote uh, Didn't See That Coming. She's just Lady Jordan, Jordan Peterson. I feel like I know who this person is. Does she sound like her It's the too? Girl, Stop Apologizing. It's like the Girl Boss Gatekeep. Baldur's Gate or whatever the fuck. What's that? What is this? Yep. That's it. Real MLM energy she has going on over there. Yeah. So uh, she started the Hollis Company. Um, so she was the, the CEO and she did like um, like motivational speaking. Um, you know, like had her self-help book. She also wrote some cookbooks. Did like you know, her, like, social media influencer bullshit. Um, she had some podcasts. And, um, <clears throat> like, she basically 
uh, just tells people that, like, if they work as hard as she does, they can have the life that she has. But she, like, just never mentions the fact that she just married a really rich dude. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, had an internship at Miramax. It's like, you didn't come from nowhere. Yeah. You had your foot in a door. Yeah. And, like, she uh, she preaches at, like, MLM conferences. Yeah. That's it. why she threw that 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 little not like that matters anymore yeah that's why she threw that in there yeah what a fucking cunt yeah um oh because she's doing other stuff now uh because like it it kind of diverts from the the fact that that she had her foot in the door you know what i'm yeah. saying mm. i see like she's saying that's a, no longer relevant when i just want to have a long conversation about white feminism and why it's terrible that's what this is making me want to do Let's hold that. Am, put a I'm pin a, in that. I am holding it. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, like she'll she uh, she would talk at like MLM conferences, and she would say like, if you're not making money, you're just not trying hard enough. Uh, she posted a picture of herself in a bikini, uh, basically saying like, I am a mother. I have three children, and these are my stretch marks, and I'm wearing a bikini. Um, and then. She like basically just like saying like you know even though my body's fucked up i'm still beautiful but like she's still like super thin and like normal looking and then um but then she goes on later to be all like my boobs suck they're too saggy and like she got like a boob job so you know pick your battles i guess <laughs> Well, I think it's really easy to love the skin you're in when you can buy the skin you want. You right. Know? <laughs> right. Right. Ah, let's put that on a t-shirt. That's good. Um, yeah. Fuck this lady. Yeah. Uh, these people make me so angry. It's like it's like fake body positivity, mm. it, but but like at the same time you're like shaming other people for not actually looking as good as as you did when like after they had kids. Yeah, and it's a a um co-opting of of feminist rhetoric to serve your weird fucking mlm purposes for sure yeah it's so uh, annoying taking this idea that you uh you're not lesser just because you don't fit a certain uh like mold right aesthetically uh and using that to like sell a fucking product (laughs) yeah it's it's fucking gross it's like feminism for capitalism like please fucking suck it's honestly the perfect neoliberal yeah like encapsulation of what what that is yeah so i didn't think that you were coming to us with the layered political uh critique but you are i think we just find that in every story yeah i think so i was giving i was giving stacy some credit thank you i appreciate it um so she called (laughs) she called her conferences uh like her her motivational speaking conferences that like she did like on her own like those were called like rise like rise conferences which was already um i think like in the year before established like a it was like a tech company would do like conferences that were also called rise yeah and before that there's like a skate shop yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's just local though it is right local. Okay. It is. but they would also do conferences I think they're still open, aren't they? They are. They are. They just had their like twenty fifth yeah, anniversary or some shit. Maybe they'll give us a sponsorship. No, I don't want their fucking fucking sponsorship with their high priced ass skateboards. No, it's not. I will take the. We will take their sponsorship. I just have to say, um, not only is that potentially like she's copying other people, but also I feel like that's just bad for 
business because uh, what if people are trying to go to your conference and they accidentally buy tickets to some other kind? Yeah, to the skate shop. Well, what if they learn and then they become tech millionaires? (laughs) And then everything works to plan. Or they learn how to do a sick kickflip. Yeah, and everything works to plan. So um, she kind of started faking a a southern accent like she like she'd be talking in her normal voice but then she'd like what like slip and be like oh that's my southern accent coming out up with people doing that okay did she is that does she live in the south no she's from california all right that's weird because like if people live in a place (laughs) long enough i could see that right but like if she just lives in california that's wild Dude, like the Theranos bitch talking like a man mm-hmm. for like forever. And it's like, well, why? This sounds so crazy. And I feel like that has to hurt your voice. Yeah. The Theranos lady, the, it does. We'll cover it. I'm right. absolutely positive. We'll get to the Theranos fuckery. I mean, it's kind of like been on the back burner for me. I don't even know if I want to do that. But if you want to, you yeah, can. Yeah, I might do it. Yeah. I love making fun of white women. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Because that bitch had ugly hair, and that shit used to piss me off. (laughs) It's like get a wig, ho. Like what are you doing? I mean, that was the least of my worries. (laughs) (laughs) The most of my worries. Um, Okay, but yeah, she uh, she faked the the southern accent because a large part of her fan base was southern women. So she wanted to be relatable. Yeah, that makes sense. I could see myself doing like, that as a comic, honestly. I, I feel like we know a comic that does that. <laughs> Which one? His is different, though. Which one? Yeah, I have no idea who you're talking about. Really? Yeah, it's a do. whole... Stacy does. She just needs to think a little bit. I can that. think of like three white dudes right now. That fake a southern accent? Just in general. <laughs> Stacy never thinks about the Roman Empire. It's Cam, it's Cam Cooper. That makes sense to me, though, that she would do that. That's not a bad strategy because I do assume that MLMs took over for Southern women, kind of more because they're dumb, than anywhere dumb. else. Like when I think of a demographic who could scrounge up enough money to invest but still be poor enough to need to do an like to to want to do a get rich quick scheme i can definitely yeah it'd, it'd probably be southern southern women i could see that also mary Kay sounds like a southern yeah. lady yeah but i feel like i just want to say this i feel like mary Kay and like um uh the the tupperware yeah thing i feel like those were kind of like legit i mostly just because i grew up around those i would i would say so too like my grandmother sold mary Kay, and like a lot of people who did mary Kay would mostly do it so that they could buy products at a net yeah zero break even that's what my mom did yeah like your mom just wanted the Tupperware, just wanted the makeup or whatever, yeah. and mm-hmm. so she sold, sold sold just enough to break even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But she would also get really defensive later on when I was, <laughs> was like, "Yo, that's a fucking pyramid scheme," <laughs> and it, it is for the record, mom. I know you're listening. Tupperware is a pyramid scheme. Aw, hi Cheryl. Oh shit, we got to read her letter. 
it, it's it's a i'm sorry the very sweet note your mom left her email is just we gotta read um, that it's all it is is her saying hey when's the next episode coming out <laughs> Well, you better it. get one out for yeah, her. We got to get one out for her. I love listening to y'all. That's Aww. what it said. That's great. It's very sweet. That is sweet. All right. So, <clears throat> David Hollis quit his job at Disney to work for Hollis Company. But he said he would only do it if he was the CEO. So he basically just took, took over company. Yeah, he girl took over boss, his wife's. girl boss. <laughs> how do you how do you just cut straight to the top of the pyramid? Girl boss. Oh, it's, is that what he's doing? He's a girl he's boss. He's the girl boss yeah. now. I guess he basically was just like, oh, this is too much responsibility. You want to be doing fun stuff? I'll take I'll take care of all of this. You know, <laughs> your little tiny lady brain couldn't Why handle this. Why don't you this. go put on some makeup, sweetie? <laughs> don't worry your sweet little head about it. Go make yourself a drink. <laughs> and she did. And Good she did. Honestly, Do you want another boob job? I, honestly, though, I get it. I don't know if I would make a different decision in her no situation. if somebody came along in a few years and wanted to buy this podcast for a few million dollars <laughs> done i in fact won't worry my pretty little head yeah, about it yeah you're right yeah. i am a, i'm a sweet little bean i'm gonna go take a little nap a sweet little bean <clears throat> but no uh she she was uh an alcoholic for a while um Relatable. And, like i don't think she knew I don't know. I, but she basically talked about like how vodka was like a good partner in her life. Ew. And like, oh, that's like the worst that's one. So extreme. Yeah, it was weird. Um, uh, we had two. <laughs> Vodka's gross. If she had said, you know, Jameson. And that's uh, th- they had three kids together biologically, but they also adopted a kid, which. Con- like confuses me like why do people do that you know what i mean maybe like she couldn't have another one or maybe didn't want to or maybe they push just out but why one. do you need four you already have three can i ask a quick was it a white baby or was it that, that was my question i have no idea too. but but she but she talked about how um it was so difficult to um like take the kid to like see their their bio parents when their bio parents were addicts and like she felt like they were gonna like undo all the good progress that they made with the kid and like but then she just like doesn't acknowledge the fact that she also has like an alcohol problem and well alcohol's legal (laughs) the only thing wrong with addiction is what's in your bank account when Mm -hmm. you have it i swear to god like Case in point, Hunter Biden. He did not get in trouble for the crack cocaine. He got in trouble for the gun charges. The amount of people who are addicts and have money is fucking astounding. You truly would not know. Because it doesn't display itself like it does with poor people. You know? Mm -hmm. It just doesn't. Yeah. But so that was shitty, though, that she was, like, had such an issue with these other people who had problems with addiction. Mm -hmm. And they started doing shit together, like, like, as a a couple, like, they, um, 
like the the conferences became Rise Together conferences for oh like God. that's a better name. At least. It, it is, is a better, better name, name, but it was like basically but what it entails sounds yeah, so Christian. For, yeah, to it me. is uh, <laughs> ominous. Yeah, you know, I like that. Well, it was like marriage counseling conferences, yeah, I, and neither of them are licensed therapists or counselors of any type. So, yeah, it's pretty pretty uh fucked up and they would charge between two hundred and eighteen hundred dollars for tickets and like thousands of people would would come so that's like almost two thousand dollars for some people just to (laughs) just to go to one of these stupid things i i'm trying to understand what the business is though just talking at people jesus just talking at people and then, on, there, and then there'd be a dance party isn't that Lord, what we do i've seen what you've done for others please bless me in the same way right <laughs> see we talk at people and it's like better it's better so like why can't we be but making hey, that I much can, money? <laughs> i swear to god i can give inspirational girl boss speeches and it'd be great you I really could it'd you be, should it'd be you should why why have you not done this yet i'm not a shitty person <laughs> that's why because you do have to make fe- people feel like they're missing something you and you're like there you're, to fulfill uh, it and that's cultivating like a parasocial relationship fundamentally you know? not my yeah but it's like you do have to you have to make them feel like they're broken mm. you know sure and, and because most people that go to those things feel like they're broken and I would just be like, actually, boo-boo, you're fine. The world is fucked up. Mm-hmm. But they need you to believe that, like, it's you. You so are a problem. So a then they can sell you a solution. Yeah. That's bullshit. Mm-hmm. I still think I could hit the right-wing grifter button Stop. in a heartbeat. Like, any, the, just whenever I want to. And I could be a millionaire. Yeah. <clears throat> so, anyway. Build a wall. You know, <laughs> it's just your subliminal messaging in every podcast. Jesse whispers, "Build a wall." I think we should build a wall around the drag queens, <laughs> <laughs> so they can't read stories to nobody anymore. Oh my gosh, the drag queens would love that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's little, so it's a win-win situation. Little theater. <laughs> I'm a drag queen nationalist. <laughs> So anyway, um, this is the fascism <clears throat> the liberals want. <laughs> they want a drag queen ethno state, bro. <laughs> Can I go on? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. Drag queen ethno state's hilarious. That's very It's funny. not that you're not funny. I just, I'm trying to. <laughs> no, you're good. You're right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right. Um, so, uh, so Rachel and David, they were doing these uh, these conferences, and then like they were hosting uh, like podcasts and shit. Um, basically, all just making it out to be like they were this perfect couple with a perfect happy marriage, and they had all the answers. And people were buying yeah. it, yeah. yeah. And um, basically, just like giving people advice, like if you you know hire a house cleaner, then you'll be just like us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did, and I'm not like them at all. 
You hired a house cleaner? It's you. <laughs> you don't pay me. I do. By it's letting me live rent. here. <laughs> okay. That's fine. It's fine. That's your television I, bill. I clean out of the goodness of my heart. Um, out of the good. <laughs> but you live here. You should go on strike, Stacey. <laughs> oh, man. If I went on strike, I would get kicked out because yeah. the, I, there'd be no reason for that, that's why you, I stay you, yeah. uh, chain yourself to the basement stairs. That sounds painful. I would also I'm saying, just call stand, the police. If you just wanted to take a stand, squatters rights, baby. Matter of fact, I call your daddy, sir. <laughs> Somebody come get her. Yeah, he'd, he'd come here and he'd be like, oh my God, I've been waiting so long to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> I need another wallet. I lost one. <laughs> It's a good wallet, though. You I you ex- lost it. I would exchange yeah. you. Oh, what a bitch! I would exchange you for seven rabbit pelts. <laughs> what are you gonna I, do I with them? I would trade you I for three know. and a half. Okay. All right. You're worth four, but I'm willing to take the hit. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> back to the story I'm telling. Um. So, Rachel put out this post basically saying that their marriage had been basically deteriorating for three years, and they had been trying so hard to, like, keep it together. Um, And she said, we started out as best friends 18 years ago, which is just flat-out bullshit, because they started out with her being a booty call and him treating her like shit. Yeah, is how they started. You can't start out as best friends. Just yeah. Just it takes in, a while. It just takes by a while. the nature of just, best friends. Like if Jesse and I, like forty years from now, get married, I still can't say we started out as best friends fifty years ago because <coughs> we just started out as friends. Yeah, acquaintances even. I don't know. I feel like we clicked pretty. Yeah, but we still didn't start off as best friends. Yeah, that's true. Like, that's crazy. That's a crazy thing to say. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, the, the three years that she's referring to their m- marriage, like, falling apart, mm-hmm. is the same three years that they were doing all of their conferences and, like, mm-hmm. their podcast and promoting all of their bullshit. So, naturally, people were very, very mad. What was their podcast called? I don't know. Oh, we could probably... Rise it Together it pod. Together podcast. Oh. That's probably what it was called. <laughs> You bitches don't know marriage, the podcast. I'd listen to that. And she said, uh, I don't consider it a failure. We were together 18 years. And I agree. I agree with that. That's a good run, yeah. I agree with that statement, but that's not the rhetoric you were touting to people, right? Right. Like, like, if you, if, if your seminars were like, hey, maybe you should break up. It's been long enough. Then I would be like, okay. I'll take two. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But that's not, it was, it was teaching people how to have a happy, successful marriage. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you predicated this knowledge on that your marriage was happy and successful, and it wasn't. Literally mm-hmm. all of these like lifestyle influencers are like shilling. Yeah. Just bullshit. Yeah. And then she just blatantly admitted without even seeming to understand that that's what she was doing that this whole time it was all a lie because their marriage 
had been already failing when they started. Anyway. <clears throat> yeah, so she admitted basically that... Their marriage had been shitty for three years. Yeah. And it was the same three years that they were saying their marriage was perfect. Yeah. So people were really mad. Um, and I think, like, that's probably around the time that they started losing a lot of followers. Because mm-hmm. they were like, well, you lied to us. This is bullshit. You know? Are you telling me I could have left my husband three years ago? Yeah. And I stayed with him because of your shitty fucking webinar or whatever? I exactly. Would be exactly. Um, so then people kind of started to speculate that now are, like, are they just gonna, you know, try to make content about, like, being divorced yeah, like and, like, healing. co-parenting yeah. and, yeah. And, uh, lo and behold, that's what they did. Of course. And that's when she wrote, um, that one book, what was it called again? <laughs> Until Everything Changed. Didn't or- see that coming. There we go. <laughs> Yeah. So that was her divorce really book. Like rise apart. Boom goes the dynamite. Yeah. Oops, we did it again. <laughs> that was good one, Jesse. Rise and decline. Okay. Okay. That's a good one. Thank you. Okay, so also in this book, um, she tells people um, not to join MLMs because if you have to spend money to make money then you're dumb and so that was totally a crazy thing to say for her because she had spent such a long time at so many different mlm conferences being a keynote speaker well, she already made her bag though right but how it's hypocritical that's the thing hey, uh, <laughs> see that's my thing like this well no the, I, I don't think this is hypocritical i think this is her going mask off at this point right but why though why would you why would you spend so much time pretending to well, to then I, I come think, out and be like no you're all dumb i think that she's just chasing like is actually just chasing the bag wherever it finds itself Right, you know what I mean. Honestly, it's kind really of inspirational because, you know, she because like while she was doing this, all of this, she's about to lose a whole lot of fucking money, right? Uh, because mm-hmm. she's losing subscribers. Da 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 da. So then she has to pivot, and then she writes this book, and basically is like, okay, let me just reveal all of the because now you get to make money in an anti MLM you know grifter space like just change tactics i was the inside man i used to do this yeah. i was Some around these I people learned as a grifter uh, yeah. they definitely don't want you to know number five i just feel like if you put yourself out there so hard and people are so mad at you and you have so much money already why not just you know be like go be alone just go away i do i i agree with you i do understand why she's flipping the script or whatever i mean i I feel like you we see this in politics all the time like there's a huge space for like why i left the liberal party uh and like right wing people eat that shit people love that shit so i get why she did it but i do understand i feel that way about everyone like a lot of people in the public eye like just go away 
You know? Well, the thing is, though, go it, away. They're not going to go away. You don't have to continue this. You have well, money. Well, they do, though, because it's not go about away. the money. It's a, it's yeah. gluttony. It's not about a fucking dollar. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just gluttony. And, like, wanting you know? attention. Yeah. It's like yeah. Mitch McConnell. Go away. Yeah. Or Dianne Feinstein. Don't. Go away. I think just that's mostly away. Nancy Pelosi at this point. I think she wants to die. She's that woman is being propped up on sticks. <laughs> yeah. That woman is a just fucking like, just let, on strings. Just let those people go. Like like we like drag George Bush out for like I don't want to hear George Bush's take on anything. No. Go away. Just go away. You've caused all this dis- destruction. You're going to be good for the rest of your life. Please do us a favor and let us not ever see your face again. So maybe we can heal <laughs> as a people. There was actually in in one of the videos that I uh, that I watched for this. There was a clip of George Bush where um, he was saying um, he, he was like, "There's this saying where I come from," and he was like, "And he fucked up the saying." He I'm really sure. did. He really did. But he he was like it's the intro to a Jake Cole album. <laughs> he said something like, uh, "You fool me once." Oh, um, I know this quote. Yeah. That's uh, you're. You can't get fooled again. Yeah, that's, that's a, a, it's an intro to a J. Cole song. That's a that's a Kendrick Lamar great. haiku. Yeah, it's so good. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. Fool me three times. You can't I can't be fooled again. <laughs> <laughs> what a big dumb dummy. What a big dumb dumb dumbass. It's really funny. Golden retriever president, except he did war crimes. Dude. Uh, fuck yeah, but it's like I you know, he does not strike me as an evil guy. Poppy, what That's is that? No. Like, it's like she's got like a cork. I think it's fine. It's not going to hurt her, but. I mean, it's not great. It's probably not <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't strike me as an evil guy. I find him charming. I, I, I find him charming as yeah. well. I kind of wish, because I, I feel, so, so if you ever fucking read about like Roger Stone, the devil, um, you mean? The, the, the literal Satan yeah. on Earth. Uh, there will be blood level of yeah. fucking Satan tree on Earth. Um, it, like if you read about him and all of his machinations <laughs> before uh, 9-11, all right. of that stuff, all the shit that he did. And all of the political players that were surrounding George Bush, the first George Bush, when it came to Roger Stone and all of the terrible things that they did and all the deals that they made and all of the fucking bloodshed that was done in their names, then you'll kind of understand that the machine was already kind of running. Yeah, those wheels were And whatever. Did you see that fucking movie George with, Bush uh, did. Chris, uh, fucking Christian Bale in it where he I, played? I didn't. It's really good. Um, but I, I've heard good things. Uh, um, I don't think that George... George W. G-dubs. Had, had much insight. He was just told to keep the machine going yeah, as, it, for as sure. it's been going. Because he's such a blubbering idiot. You keep the machine going, we'll keep the party going, George. And he said, all right. I said, all right. And then Jeb Bush <laughs> came along and they were like, he said, no. He said, please clap. And everybody said, no. Nah. <laughs> it's, it's my <laughs> Give us the Cheeto. It's my favorite. It's Please my, f- this, like, this is my favorite like, thing in the world. It's so good. Uh, like, cause, cause y'all happened, and I didn't think that we'd ever reach a political moment better than. And we're gonna go to Michigan. Yeah! <laughs> but then we got please clap. And then we got please clap, and it was. 
beautiful. What a beautiful moment. I thought you hated politics. I love making fun of politics. You love the circus of politics. Yeah, it's hilarious. So anyway. uh... (laughs) (laughs) This is my favorite third of the podcast. (laughs) So she did um, a RISE uh, conference. Um, It was like during the pandemic. And it was like she, she had lost a lot of followers. And so it was like 400 people in attendance maybe. But it, was, it wasn't even, like, all live. I think it was, like, maybe, like, Still, 100 you people. You said it was $218 a ticket, right? No, I said it it was $1,800 a ticket. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, okay. For that like proves my point. Even. Tickets, $1,800 a ticket at it was 400 two, people. It, like, they ranged between 200 and 1800 okay. Well, so it was like depending still, okay, on what package you want. Uh, each ticket sold at $218. At 400 tickets, that's a fuck ton of money. Yeah. yeah, but there was some fuckery with her online pandemic. Right, I'm shit. not done. Yeah, that's I. That's where we're going, right? I'm. I. I don't know. You might know other things than I know, but okay. um, <laughs> I tried. I tried. I listened to a lot of videos. Um, but uh. So like during this this conference, um, she was like talking about the pandemic. She was like, "You think this is hard? This isn't hard." And like, yeah, like like basically just like saying that the pandemic wasn't that big of a deal. Without it's like, bitch for who? Yeah, without without seeming to think about like people who got sick or people who like lost loved ones or people who were really really poor or and in a really bad job. situation because Again, of the pandemic. I do kind of miss. A- I do kind of miss lockdown. lockdown I loved kind of it, sick. but we're we're the lucky ones who had a good time. That is true. Well, yeah, is well and, al- and also it's like I I can say now that I miss, but I but I honestly during that time it was all Awful. over the goddamn place. And I will say I'm definitely uh, still suffering from uh, some mental health issues that I am positive yeah. are a direct result from. <laughs> I, I think I think although. I miss the free. I did. I didn't get to enjoy being at home all the time, or working from home, or not having to socialize that much because I was legitimately worried about my immunocompromised ass getting getting COVID the entire time, and a lot of my friends died, and like it, it wasn't like I didn't enjoy it during the time, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I have short-term memory loss from covid well but, you were with dominic well i meant like when i got oh, covid like, oh, yeah. and that was after dominic mm. so not related i thought you just blocked it out <laughs> no i just mean like it affected my brain long term sure anyway um because i used to be better <laughs> i used to be a little bit sharper <laughs> but anyway um so also i think it was during the the pandemic she uh she made an instagram post saying still i rise without quoting my angelo oh no and so people got really really mad because you know what else was happening during the the pandemic oh i don't know stacy started mattering yeah exactly and so people really cared Really? Because according to the way things are looking uh, sociopolitically, it doesn't seem like they have. This is news <laughs> to me. But that all that was going on, and she and she plagiarized Maya Angelou. Jesus Christ! 
So people but, got really, really, even, really. Mad. It isn't even that you plagiarized Maya Angelou. It's more she just said for it. your weird of, corporate yeah. nonsense. Because people knew that was yeah. Maya Angelou. Like, because if but, I w- if I wake up in the morning and I tweet "Still I Rise," no one's gonna be like, "How dare you, Lynette Maya Angelou?" Right. But, but if I right. make a corporation <laughs> called Rise, and then I'm like, "Still I Rise," I came up with that all yeah, by myself. Sure. Right. Like, then, if, okay, if Elon Musk was cunt. like, "I know why the caged bird sings," <laughs> right. you know, people are gonna get fucking mad. Oh, he owns Twitter. I get <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about that. <laughs> It's X now. (laughs) Okay. Um, So, and like, I guess she also like said some some other stuff um, where she was like, you know, get a housekeeper, get a nanny. um, And, you know, like she just like wasn't like taking into like consideration that most people can't really afford that kind of stuff. It's like if like, it's like if um, Beyonce was like, I don't understand why you guys don't get like a private jet to come to, yeah. My, yeah. to yeah. my tour. God, if I could afford a fucking house cleaner, let, that would solve legitimately a fourth of your problems. Yeah. <laughs> and so, it really would. and so, I guess someone um, uh, basically said, I, I didn't, I didn't write it down, but it was something referring to to that about how um, she's like not like relatable in that she has that much money and like she can't just tell people to like be get a housekeeper and shit because most people can't do that and she responded to that with a video which is it of her singing imagine by john lennon this video is what made me want to do this story i'm so excited so does she have a ukulele you should you should come check it out. I'm gonna hold my mic up to the phone, so yeah. We'll include a link to the video. Legitimately, okay. we will include a link to the video in the description. One well, day we'll I, include. Links. I mean, it's it's I. This is the only copy I could find, and it's in this hour long thing, so I'm, I can only play it once. So don't talk over it. Uh, Jesse. I'm, no, I just I'm worried about uh, copyright stuff, but. Fine. Stream. And I mentioned that there's a sweet woman who comes to my house twice a week and cleans. She's my, my house cleaner. She cleans the toilet. Someone commented and said, you are privileged AF. And I was like, you're right. I'm super freaking privileged. But also, I worked my ass off to have the money to have someone come twice a week and clean my toilets. And I told her that. And then she said, well, you're unrelatable. What is it about me that made you think I want to be relatable? No, sis, literally everything I do in my life is to live a life that most people can't relate to. Most people won't work this hard. Most people won't get up at 4 a.m. Most people won't fail publicly again and again just to reach the top of the mountain. Literally every woman I admire in history was unrelatable. If my life is relatable to most people, I'm doing it wrong. So there's a lot of things wrong with it. All right. Uh, I was right. Andrew Tate looking have, ass. No, I love I love actually so much about that. What? Like I love I love that she's co-opting language again. So like um she says sis. Okay, who the fuck are you talking to? And then she's like to reach the top of the mountain black language yeah, that's that, literally Martin Luther King, <laughs> that's right? That's literally Martin Luther King. 
Um, she's co-opting this language. But then to then say every person, every woman I look up to in history is unrelatable. And it's like, nah, dude. I mean, I mean, like, I think you're missing. You're, you're overinflating your shit and misunderstanding like you're un, you're overinflating your mark in history and like what you're really doing like what you're the effect you're having and then like also misunderstanding what people mean by relatable because yeah because like i'll say my angelou probably not relatable in that she was an amazing poet was great at captivating an audience not relatable in that way but also she probably cleaned her own house so yeah. like what are you talking well, about yeah, she was talking about the struggle in a way that is relatable to the audience that she was trying to speak to yeah like <laughs> you know? like what are you saying really and it's like it's like i it's demeaning for to say somebody comes into your house your house cleaner and she cleans my toilets mm-hmm. what a demeaning thing to say like yeah. what a piece of shit through and through well okay a few things um so in the description of that video um she lists the women in history that uh oh, no. that she admires oh wait hold on can we pause just yeah, before you get to this guess. part before you get to this part and before you get to that part uh <coughs> i can think of so many rich, rich people who never it's like it's like the thing where people are wearing like gucci and designer and it's like the real rich people don't be showing logos it's the thing of like, I, like Oprah never fucking brings up the people who clean up her house. No. You know what I yeah. mean? Because they understand taste and tact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like. It's just understood they're wearing Gucci. So it's like you're not even where you think you are. You know? Like yeah. you're not as rich as you think you are yeah. because a real rich person wouldn't be that distasteful I think to somebody, even bring that up. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, I don't think that has anything to do with how much money she has. I think she has too much money for her. I think her. she has too much money, too. I just don't think that what she does. I don't think that she's as rich as she thinks. She's no. not in the yeah. class in society that she believes she's in. No. Because if she was, she would understand the decorum that comes with that. Yeah. Like how you keep up appearances you know what i mean yeah you're influencer rich baby that's about to be gone in a day or two yeah she's probably i mean she's bringing in less than what 15 million dollars a year yeah for sure you know that's fucking she's talking like she's like fucking illuminati rich though (laughs) yeah that's what i'm saying like she's like yeah because do you think i do you think i did all i did to be regular and it's like bitch you're still kind of regular though you are fucking you're uh, still kind of regular though upper middle class basically um okay okay so the list yeah i was gonna say something but i totally forgot what it was but anyway it's okay uh so the women that she uh admires in history that she was referring to in the video are harriet tubman ruth bader ginsburg marie curry oprah i knew you were gonna say marie curry me too, because she Googled it on a yeah, list. She just Googled of inspirational women. Influential yeah. women. Amelia Earhart. <laughs> it's like, it's hold like, up, hold up. Helen Keller? Is, 
this is on my son like my son has a test i swear to god that it's like for women's week like, or whatever name, yeah, just like, name some ladies circle the influential women frida Kahlo, hillary clinton um malala i'm not even gonna yusuf. say the last yusuf. name it's yusuf Oh, it's Yusuf? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Greta Thunberg. It has some other letters in there. Um, and Wu Zishan? Is it Zidian? I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is either. But, um, but so people she, she were... She Googled a recent list. Is that the, is that the North Korean lady? What's I her name? I really hope not, because that bitch is a fraud, ain't yeah, she? Yeah, yeah. 100%. I don't know. But, but people were really, really, really mad. Well, because A, A... <laughs> A, A, B, and also C. How, how did these women influence you? You know what I mean. When I yeah. when I think about people that I look up to, like if I think I'm like, oh, what women do I look up to? Like what part of their for, life for do you me, try? For me, I would be like, oh, how do you try be Mindy like Kaling? Mm-hmm. I would be like, you know, uh, fucking. <laughs> this is about to sound really bad. Oh, no. Gilda Gilda Radner. <laughs> Oh, no, I was gonna say who's. I was oh. gonna, I was gonna name her husband and be like, Oh, Gene Wilder, yeah, Gene Wilder's wife. And then I was like, Oh no, you gotta think of this. That was such name. a great documentary. Um, you know, like whatever. That's that is particular to me and the things that I want to be in life. You know, it, it, her mm-hmm. whole MLM thing or whatever inspirational speeches. There's so many women. That could be inspirational to you within the boundaries of the things that you want to do. Like, oh, how the fuck did Harriet Tubman inspire you, white lady? What did she do? I feel like Oprah is the only person on that list who is even remotely. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah, like Hillary Clinton would have made sense. Yeah, because it's like, what truly, what did Harriet Tubman do that you were like, me? That's exactly what I see in my. She was a badass spy. She was a badass all around. This lady talks to people about their marriages. Like, what part oh, of Harriet um, Tubman? But okay. yeah, so then she she put out an apology, and she was like, you know, I'm sorry that I have a cleaning lady, and I'm sorry that I listed women in history that I admire. It was basically her apology mm. and people were like no 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 we're mad because that's not you, even what she said she because said, you no. she yeah she was like we're mad because you referred to your cleaning lady as uh the lady who cleans your toilets and we're mad because you compared yourself to harriet tubman and it's like <laughs> that's what i'm saying it's like there there's so many women even black women that you could be like oh this person inspired me but it's like you did you were so vague the the gambit of women you mentioned Mm -hmm. so so varied yeah like no it and the thing that the internet does really well that i think that we've gotten away from a lot in recent years because everyone reads too many books and wants to talk theory too much but i think the thing that the internet has always done really well is under is understand we like get what you're doing we smell your fucking bullshit like the internet can smell a phony 
so quickly like no something just doesn't so it's like it's not that there's anything necessarily wrong with her being like these women are inspiring but it's like we get what you're trying to do when you call these women to to your back when we're upset with you talking about your house cleaner as the person that cleans your toilets like yeah, it's so we get what you're fucking doing yeah you know without yeah. like i feel like now the internet's like no because i actually we can theorize how this is da, 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 da. but like but like when this shit was happening it's it's more clean cut like bitch we see what you're fucking doing mm-hmm. and you're not about to escape <laughs> with your uh with your grandstanding yeah <sighs> Um, I should have put this note with the Maya Angelou thing, but when that happened, the Maya Angelou misquote on her, uh, Facebook, um, or her her Instagram, (laughs) sorry, uh, so basically, uh, people were mad about that, and she, um, and she was like, oh, yeah, like, a team member of mine posted that, of and course, I fired okay. them. Yeah, I fired them. Yeah, she did. I, you know what? Wait, she I fired taken someone. too much Ambien, and I stayed Wait. up. I Wait. Thought- no. Absolutely not. Because then I would be mad at the other direction. You fired them? Yeah, she fired an employee and claimed that that was the employee that posted that. Even if an employee posted that, you fired them? Yeah. Not a strong talking to? No. <laughs> See, but that's that's also the... Ugh, yeah, fuck that. And um, basically, like, her... Uh, if it's true, it's fucked up. If it's not true, it's fucked up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's all fucked up. Um. <laughs> Good grief. But so basically, like her, her like culture, like her working environment with with her team was basically uh, anything that good that happened, she took all the credit, and mm-hmm. anything bad that happened, it's this nebulous team. Yeah, yeah, fault. yeah. It was like a team member yeah. that did it. Um, she also, um, when people were starting to be mad at her, turned off all of her comments on all of the things she would post because mm-hmm. um, she didn't want. Any, she's a bitch yeah and she didn't she didn't want any negative comments um, girl boss but like but like bitch. i don't know maybe maybe listen to what people are saying about you and then you and then you might you might learn to not be but see <laughs> so shitty <laughs> that is the problem it's, oh right, wait i'll let you finish yeah i'm I'll like rant. so i am so close to being done um uh Okay, this is my last note. I don't know why I put it at the end, but uh, in her um, book, <laughs> God, this is how much I care about this person. I can't even remember what the fucking book is called. <laughs> Didn't see it coming. I was going to now we fall. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. I'll spend um, the rest of this podcast making up <laughs> the name of that book. Apparently, there's a, there's a chapter in that book where she just uh, talks about uh, her farts and her shitty asshole um but as like curated imperfection to be relatable Mm. yeah Uh, that was my last note (laughs) should have put that somewhere else (laughs) (laughs) i don't even know duck duck goose a woman's tail so i so (laughs) so um 
so I, I guess I just, the thing that pisses me off, I guess the most, is that, you know, when black people are talking about, like, opportunities for minorities in various fields and wealth sharing to minorities, like, we often bring up white mediocrity and how it gets a pass. And I think this is a good fucking example of how, like, feminist rhetoric and and our, like, Eurocentric beauty standards uh, combine to, like, boost mediocre fucking white women up to to this fucking station in life. Like, like this lady should have gotten zero opportunities. She had no skills. Her mm-hmm. company was literally nothing. And like she wasn't even good at the grift she, she was pulling. She wasn't even good at the grift she was pulling, but we but like people let her stay around for forever. And it's like I know like lifestyle in influencers who are African American or Asian or whatever, who are unique in their content, actually have something to say, mm-hmm. uh, can be like girl, uplifting. The, the girl that does like foraging, like uh, what's her yes. name? Yeah, she's like fantastic. Yes, the black forager. Yeah, she's yes. wonderful. She's so good. Uh, like, there's these people who will never see that success level of mm-hmm. this fucking lady, mm-hmm. and this lady did nothing. She did nothing. She added no value to anything. But it's like, and especially the time that this lady was like thriving, thriving, was such a time for like bullshit feminist platitudes Mm -hmm. that lacked any kind of fucking substance. Yeah. Like, and it was all like just like bullshit. Like, plagiarism like not even really plagiarism but like very obviously not her own um ideas like you know just like pull yourself up by your bootstraps or like if you get knocked down get back up again but it's also it's, <laughs> like it's it's that weird thing of like uh the right wing ideology of like poor shaming and whatever but you mm-hmm. you wrap it in this fem- faux feminist package mm-hmm. with some mlm fucking dumbasses and then it and then we pretend that it's like yeah this is the way this is the way women should you know That's, women should uh, be it's girl boss capitalism it's girl boss capitalism it is shit fucking and then just let your husband take over your company yeah yeah it, but because it's like there's there is nothing new under the sun there's people trying to sell you the same things repackaged and that's just the way life is but it's it is particularly sinister when it's like the exact same dynamics like as the as right-wing like christian um nuclear family dynamics that you've repackaged into this feminist aesthetic of like sisters are doing it for themselves mm-hmm. or whatever <laughs> like but it is and you question. too can with this fucking yeah. you know, with this special link you put in your bio yeah <laughs> what the fuck man you know what what's crazy though is that like she probably could have been like a really good uh 
you know, whatever she was trying to do. Um, like she, she could have what is the job? Dude? Right, right, like, right. Like she could have been really good if she had just like legitimately wrote down her own thoughts and ideas. I, and like, I don't think she's, I don't think like, she, I don't had think any. she has any. And just yeah. not been such a narcissist. You know what I mean? Like, she, like I, I, it's she's not that no hard. Hook. What she did is not that hard. She could have just like not taken other people's words and used them as her own. But it's like blatantly. that's what it's made up of. Yeah. Like I don't know. Like if you like scroll on TikTok, one of the things that has been like a pet peeve of mine for forever is that like I will say something and then like a white dude like either a dude or a white person be like, oh, that's a good, that's a good thought that you had there, and then they'll say that, mm-hmm. and then people will be like, yes, white man, and it's like, nigga, that's the same shit I I said I said that mm-hmm. he ain't say that shit I said that shit, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like that it, but it's like it has to go through, you know, the it has to go through the soul and out the vocal cords of somebody in America that is more palatable and more, you know, uh, likable to to the mainstream. And that generally happens to be like a white woman. <laughs> That's really weird because I've experienced this thing where I will say something and then people won't agree with it until another person says that thing. I was tr- never mind. I got it. Yeah. No, I see what you're doing. There. I waited too long. Hey, we we just weren't in the right group. I, I swear to God, if, if, if we were at the rail, people would be like, "Yes, yeah. Mr. White Man." <laughs> I uh, <clears throat> I listened to like I I tried to listen to like an actual episode of like one of her. Oof. Podcasts. Oh, oh I applaud you. You went above and beyond. Yeah, I know bro. you did. But no, like, no wonder you drink so much. God <laughs> damn. <laughs> like it was some. It was so weird. Like she was like, uh, "I'm going to tell you five lies that you all think is true." And like, um, <laughs> liberals it, hate number it, one. And, and like it was like the first one. It was like something about like motivation. And she was like, "You don't need to get." motivated god what was it it was like you uh you need momentum and then she was like i'm gonna motivate you now <laughs> that's actually not a horrible point <laughs> right it's not I mean, but then but then accurate. she contradicted it sure. by, by saying that she like was i'm going motivate. to give you motivation yeah. oh yeah <laughs> i didn't even catch that and so i was just like i can't even all of those people talk in fucking circles dude yeah it's such a stupid that's grip. really weird she hooked on to something because like if you pick up like see, sometimes when i'm having a hard time cleaning up the house like i'll just be like oh i'll pick up one thing right and then once you pick up the one thing it's easier to just like yeah pick yeah, up yeah, more yeah, things yeah, you know yeah. so she's not wrong there you do but just see, need momentum. but that's the thing though like humans are deeply knowable beings right mm-hmm. like like there is there is nothing new under the sun no. there's nothing new under the sun i think and you just the, need to make it and bed. the the whole reason that these grifts like work is because they give you a kernel of something that is very known and true yeah. about human nature and then they tack on all of their nonsense bullshit it's even like leads into like apps and stuff like you'll have apps that'll be like here's an app to cure your ADHD. And it's like, it's like, 
you know, helping you out. Like, you need to make checklists. You need to have, like, alarms. Da, 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 da. But it's like, you have the capabilities of doing all of those things yeah. on your own. And how is it really improving Honestly, your quality of life? it's not helping because you just have another app that you're going to ignore. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you've, like, like it, it's like... It, it latches on to a kernel of like reasonability and, and applied science, but it also has such like a whole bunch of other shit that's like unnecessary and unneeded. Well, I feel, I feel like those things usually miss the point in it. Like, yeah, like, the, exactly. like those apps are probably really helpful to people that can afford a smartphone and a plan to begin with. Right. Or just shit like that. Yeah, but also it's like the whole thing with ADHD is that you don't remember anything. So like your app oh, yeah. is just going to you become sit. blind to those things. Like I set alarms you, for shit all the time. You become but I just, blind to that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's the reason that they work because people do find kernels of objective truth in them, but also they don't work because it's a bunch, it's, made to get somebody rich like mm. it's not made for the best interest of the of the oh, individual that's it's not made to actually help people yeah it's just exactly. made to make a buck yeah yeah uh kind of like it's interesting that it kind of ties but it's like garbo though she's like sandwiching bullshit within some truth <laughs> yeah, oh like i was garbo. actually thinking that while you were telling your story it's what you i was like these both kind of related related to my like, story too. very interesting yeah, you can do both. But so you should do for good and not for evil. Yeah. You should be anti fascist about it mm-hmm. and not um trying to get everyone. How money. how beautiful is it? Just back to the Garbo story real quick. <laughs> how beautiful is it that this man just happened to be alive during a civil war that involved both like nationalists and fascists that just perfectly okay i just want to say first off i want to say those socialists were also fascists like they were just straight up jacking people's shit like their private property and like socialism distinguishes between like personal and private like they were taking his his personal property right like those guys were also fascists i don't necessarily agree with that just because what needs to be done to get the job done isn't necessarily how you're going to continue, right? Like, like what needs, like what you need to do to enact your socialist state is not necessarily what you're going to yeah, be doing did, did anybody in your socialist vote? state. <sighs> and I and I like I get what you're saying. It's all shitty, but I do. Kind of like in in my utopia, like in my utopia, in okay, my brain. So, but it's still the utopia that I want to get to. How are we gonna get to? I it? see what you're are saying. Are you telling me I'm not gonna seize All right. rich see people's saying. fucking However, property? You're, you're, what you're saying to me is, uh, yes, it is fascism, but it's a temporary fascism. Correct. Okay. (laughs) Basically. Okay. In theory, but however, it never turns out that way in practice. It it doesn't because like you're giving up a lot, like for, for, for a socialist thing to get to Bruin, you do have to put your trust in a charismatic leader. Well, you have to put put your trust in that you're going to get this person, all this power, all this, this capital, and they're going to give it back to you at some point. Isn't it? 
power corrupts absolutely. Like that's just it's the, uh, it's yeah, what's what's the phrase? It's power corrupts. Fool me once. <laughs> <laughs> Fool me twice. Can't be fooled again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it absolute power corrupts absolutely? Absolutely. There we go. Yeah. Absolute power corrupts. Damn. Who would have thought Stacy would come in on that one? Holy shit. Uh, yeah. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. So it's like hard to even enact a socialist state because the the nigga that has to get it off the ground has to be an has to have all of the tenets of of someone who is gonna get into fascism. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know if that's the because what about I, like uh, I think it's absolutely true. You know what? We just need to start uh, our own political podcast. <laughs> <laughs> is this not a political podcast? It's I not feel like supposed it's to be. not supposed to be, but everything's political mm. and everything is corn. <laughs> uh, Jesse, do you have a story you want to tell? I do. So last week, I uh, what I covered was pretty heavy, and I wanted to uh, do something pretty light this week, and mm-hmm. then I rolled a one on my investigation check. <laughs> so uh, again, uh, I, I know we normally do this in the description. I'm not even there's. I will be here all night if I go through all of them. So just check the description. Uh, pause the pause the podcast real quick if you are sensitive to like discussion of certain things. Uh, <laughs> uh, is it all the things? Uh, pretty much all of the things. Okay. Like, if you can imagine it, it's probably in here. Uh, actually, surprisingly, no drugs, I don't think. Let me set the scene. All right, set it. It's the 1980s. America is in the throes of the satanic panic. Parents across the nation are gripped with the fear that games such as Dungeons and Dragons and the increasing popularity of heavy metal were influencing children to join Satan worshiping cults. As it was. Thankfully, there is no evidence of any satanic cults operating within the U.S., let alone any, uh, let alone ones using children in their rituals. Right. Right. Which is what I would say if I had never heard of today's subject. Oh, God. Oh, no. The Finders. Oh, God. All right. So it is February 4th, 1987. Two police arrive at Myers Park in Tallahassee, Florida, after receiving a call about two suspicious but well-dressed men watching six filthy malnourished children. Watching? The kids were playing at the park they were hanging out i see uh it was noted in the police report that quote the children were covered with insect bites they were very dirty most of the children were not wearing underwear and all of the children had not been bathed in many days uh it was also noted that they were traveling in a 1979 dodge van which contained a few maps several letters 20 floppy disks a computer, again, it is 1987, and a dirty old mattress. Uh, officers described it as, quote, foul-smelling, and noted that it had seemed that all eight people had been living out of the van for quite some time. Uh, upon questioning the men, upon questioning, the men told the police that they were the children's teachers and that they had been taken or that they were being taken to a special school in Mexico for, quote, brilliant children. Uh, but when pressured about the children's mothers, uh, when pressured about the children's mothers, police were told that the children were being weaned from them. Well. Yeah. 
all eight children, all eight of them were taken into custody. So two men, six children. And the two men were charged with six counts of misdemeanor child abuse. Uh, the men were eventually identified as Douglas Amerman and James Michael Houlihan. Upon questioning... Houlihan. See, that's the name. Like, honestly, I'll never trust a Houlihan. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Never met a Houlihan who wasn't shady as fuck. I don't think I've ever met a Houlihan because they know better than to mm, tell me yeah, that. Yeah, they're always like, my name's Michael Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so upon questioning, Ammerman and Howell were really standoffish. One report going as far uh, as far as to claim that they uh, completely shut down and just went into like a trance. So police instead questioned the children. Uh, however, only one of the children, the oldest, could really talk well enough to be questioned. She told the police that her name was Mary. When they asked for her last name, she said, which last name? Oh. Suggesting that they had frequently changed names while they traveled. Uh, they also learned that the children were from Washington, D.C., uh, where they lived with several other children and a few adults, but Mary did not know where they were going or where they had been. Did I say the part about... Yes, She's asserting her dominance. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so she didn't know where they were going or where they had been. Mm-hmm. Um, medical examination found some of the children to be incredibly malnourished. When, when asked, Mary told police that they ate ma- mostly raw fruits and vegetables, but food was used as a reward for good behavior. Jesus. Police noted that the children seemed totally unfamiliar with everyday items, like, ta- like the typewriter, hot water, or indoor plumbing, as they would often ask to go outside to use the restroom. <gasps> Mary confirmed that the two men were their teachers. When asked, Mary said that they were taught, quote, how to play games. When pressed about the games, Mary became very uncomfortable and wanted to end questioning. Eventually, she did go into detail with the police. I'm not going to, because it's what you think it is. Um, And then uh, medical examination confirmed that thing you're thinking. (sighs) So Mary Mary also told the police that they would receive instructions from their leader, someone called the Game Caller. Um, so given the very clear what the actual fuck energy of the whole thing. Can you imagine? I'm sorry. Can you fucking imagine coming up with an organization? I Jesus Christ. <laughs> and being like, this is, I'm the game caller. Yeah, I know, right? I know. You cringe I piece know. of shit. Oh my God. Ugh. Uh, which led that very, yeah, no. The police then decided... Uh, in a rare dub for the police uh, to reach out <laughs> to uh, the Washington, D.C. police to try and properly identify Mary and the rest of the children uh, when they learned that the D.C. police were already conducting their own investigation into the finders. Yeah. Uh, this is a quote from a 1987 article from the Washington Post, one of the first outlets to cover the case. According to U.S. District Courts in Washington, a confidential police source had previously told authorities that the finders were a cult that conducted brainwashing techniques at the warehouse at at the warehouse and the Glover Park duplex at um, it's an address. I'm not going to repeat it. Uh, This source being told or this source told of being recruited by the finders with promises of financial reward and sexual gratification and of being 
invited by one of the members to explore Satanism with them, according to the documents. It looked like you had some. Well, because it's like... <laughs> hmm? It's like... Eh? We got everything. You want, we, we got, you want we got, money? We got sexual cum? Sexual gratification? Satan? Satan? <laughs> like, you really buried the lead there, I think. Yeah, I think you know? So Open too. with the Satan. <laughs> oh, Anon also claimed that the children were victims of ritualistic abuse. And while he had never per- personally witnessed this, he knew that the children's grandparents were worried for their safety. Uh, I'm sorry. Did he not witness the abuse, or did he not witness the grandparents being worried for their safety? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, a few days after the children were initially found, DC police conducted a raid on that warehouse as well as the duplexes, uh, and what they found was disturbing to say the least. Uh, in the end, police left with multiple trash bags full of pictures of children, some clothed, some not, some not, one even in chains. Uh, but worse still, amongst them were pictures of children performing occult bloodletting ceremonies and animal sacrifices while circled in men wearing robes. Uh, several more computers were also seized along with several documents. Uh, that point towards other homes and apartments, which eventually lead to a 90-acre compound in the middle of fucking nowhere in Madison County, Virginia, owned by a named main, named a man named Marion Petty, also <laughs> known as the Game Caller. Okay, so maybe we should just, I don't know, check in on people who buy 90 acres worth of <laughs> That's a good point. You know what I mean? You should automatically have little... to have a background check, yeah. Rand. Or we yeah. should just be like, well, how many kids are going to be living on this? You know, uh, even if that were the case, I will. Petty's a special man. Okay. And we'll get there. Um, during interviews, neighbors of these various locations, I, I'm just going to combine them all together. You know, this, this takes place over several states. Uh, would confirm that some of the photographed children had lived in some of these places. They also told police uh, that it was women, only women and children living in like the warehouse and the duplex, but sometimes men would visit, regularly men would visit, sometimes in unmarked vans, but other times in really nice luxury cars. Cars that were way, way, way too nice for the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I'm talking like Bugattis and shit. Like that kind of, for like 1987, you know? Yeah. Uh, Neighbors (sighs) said that Petty claimed to have been a Boy Scout leader, but the truth is a lot more interesting. Uh, because Marion Petty was a retired Air Force Master Sergeant who had become deeply rooted in the hate and Ashbury counterculture movement and in the late 60s formed the Finders. He claimed he wanted to raise a new generation for the new age, one that was above the petty foibles of man. man. And uh, we're going to get back to this eventually, but I want you to keep this in the back of your head. Did I he, feel like... Did he use the word petty? Uh, this is my own. Well, I was gonna wonder. I was wondering if he used the word foible. No, I think this was me. <laughs> no. Well, because his name is Petty, so it'd be funny. I feel like I missed something kind of important here, and I just want to go back real quick. When the police were interviewing 
Mary. Um, they asked her what she was being taught, right? Um, she said, you know, games or whatever, but she also revealed that she could count to 10 in Chinese. So I want you to also keep that in the back of your okay. head. She so keep all that stuff in the back of your head. She, uh, we got. We have a retired. No. Okay. We have a retired master sergeant from the air force running this okay. fucking show, right? We have crazy nice cars showing right. up. These all these people that are getting caught are super well dressed. <sighs> okay. And she is being taught to count to ten in Chinese. I'm okay. Uh, this oh, is a no. Yeah. No. <laughs> this is a quote from Scott Hunt of Tallahassee PD. It is our belief that these kids were not kidnapped, but that their parents had gave them away because one of the rites of passage into the satanic organization is that you have to give up your rights to your children and that the leader of this organization could do whatever he wants with your children. Ew. God. Those are terrible parents. Ugh. So while all of this is happening, the children were transferred to a private foster care. Given the nature of their case, the police were very careful to keep their location a secret. However... The, uh, the foster homes that the children were placed into began receiving death threats. <gasps> Police were baffled as to how they had located the children and were unable to trace the calls. Having no other option, the foster homes had round-the-clock guards. Just move them. What? Yeah, you would think. Uh, over the weekend, the story would blow up on national media outlets, and on Monday, the police would be contacted by a Robert G. Terrell, owner of one of the raided properties and member of the Finders. In a two-page memo sent to the police, Terrell claimed that this was all a huge misunderstanding, and Terrell had an answer for everything, you guys. It's no big deal. It's all cool. Let, oh, just, uh, let uh, why me, would you let even me, put me, yourself in that up, situation? Just hold up. Let me let me explain, okay? Oh, the two men were just taking the children to a special finder's school in Berea, Kentucky, where they were establishing a retirement community. But the trip was delayed, so they went to vacation in Tallahassee. Those naked pictures, those were of Houlihan's children, and what parent doesn't have an absolute mountain of <laughs> naked pictures? Of those of their children and the pictures of animal sacrifice. Well, we were just teaching the kids how to connect with the land, and the robes were because we didn't want to get our clothes dirty. <laughs> so stupid. I know. <laughs> Character witnesses even came forward, including the financial developer for that retirement. Are home. you sure there's no drugs involved? In yeah, that because to not, to, not that I have seen to come out not with that I have such seen. a story, dog. Not that I have seen. You're telling me that's not a coke well, fueled. This will make sense. I'll say. I this think uh, this sense. might be a. I'm going to try and go for a touch of foreshadowing. There could be some LSD involved. Mm. You know, quite a bit of uh, the acid electric Kool Aid test. <laughs> what? What is this? Um, a Jonestown reference? No. Oh. But it it does tie back to Jonestown, I'm sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sure. Actually, I was just watching a documentary about no. um, a cult and about how this time, this era mm. that you're talking about, Be golden era for until cults. Until Jonestown, yeah, it's, it's super the the perfect era for cults. Mm. And Jonestown had to fuck it up for everybody. Went too far. Flew too close to the sun. They did. Mm -hmm. They did. 
<laughs> Kool-Aid <laughs> man came and said, oh, no. <laughs> Nikes? Y'all niggas going to heaven in Nikes? Absolutely was it, That was not. after Jonestown. Oh, was it? Yeah, that was oh, in the 80s. Oh, Heaven's Gate was after Jonestown. Yeah, that was like in the yeah, late 80s, that early true. 90s. Yeah, it was like a copycat cult. Uh, kind of. Right. Well, the way they did, uh, we'll talk. That's I mean, a story for that another time. I, I think that their whole like cult uh, situation was different, but the way that they went out was the same. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Mm. Sure. All right. All right. So character witnesses came forward, including the financial developer for that retirement home, claiming the group, while definitely super duper fucking weird, uh, were just innocent hippies. The mother of the children, the mothers of the children, came forward and claimed that their children were very well taken care of, and that the and other groups mem- group members came forward and denied any accusations of abuse or Satan worship. We already did the test, dog. Well, and them kids are malnourished, my nigga. Really funny you brought that up. <laughs> so, like, because, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, all of a sudden, seemingly out of nowhere, all of the charges were dropped. <laughs> Uh, Houlihan and Ammerman were released, and the case is closed. But that is not where our story ends. Oh, my God. In April of that year, a report was filed by U.S. Customs and Borders agent. Oh, no. Adrian Martinez, who had come in contact with a private detective named Jim Bradley, who had already been on the case for about two years. Together, they inspected one of the properties and found a collection of documents detailing how to obtain children. They also found a telex machine, which this is an interesting little side rabbit hole I went down. There used to be this like system called telex setup where you would buy this thing into your home. It looked like a typewriter, kind of like a mix between a typewriter and a fax machine, right? Where you could send a text message <laughs> over the phone line and somebody on the other end would get it. It was kind of neat, right? Um... So they found telex. Uh, they found a telex machine and messages pertaining to the purchase of children. One in particular was an order for two Chinese children to be picked up at the Hong Kong embassy. Question. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, actually, uh, my question yeah, has no, ballooned yeah, for sure since the last <laughs> yeah, sentence yeah, yeah, that yeah, you just yeah. said. Like, they had documents saying how to obtain children. Yes, which is crazy. Yeah. Crazy. There but were like, various. Ma- there were but multiple. Then, then you said like, oh, and then these pic- kids are to be picked up at the Chinese embassy. Mm-hmm. So now, now my question is like, were these documents like, here's the protocol. These are the secret words you so got to docu- say. The, talk- to- the documents would just detail different strategies, right? So you they they talk about ways to kidnap kids. They talked about ways to purchase kids from like uh, poor mothers who couldn't afford to take care of their kids. How to get. Uh, like one of the men, just impregnating one of the members of the finders. And all of these things I've always been so curious about, like, how do you broach this conversation? How do you, how are you not having an existential crisis as you're typing this up? Right. How to purchase kids. Step one. Like by step three, I'd be like, what the fuck am I doing doing right now? I need to go back to church or something. Maybe I can find some kids there. My technical writing degree is like really <laughs> not. This is not what I thought I would be doing with I, my life. It's not what I thought. Um, so they also found uh, documents uh, that like covered like how members of the group wanted to ta- obtain sensitive banking secrets. 
as well as talks about like domestic terrorism, building and uh, explosives, and instructions on how to avoid law enforcement. It's like, what is your goal, though? Like, what? What is your organization? Pick a lane. Uh, Are you? You're well, really? You're really fucking kids and doing domestic terrorism. <laughs> Galade, pick a lane. Too sure. broad. I, Too broad. I think there's a reason that this is so unfocused. Um, well, hold on, I got one little more tidbit here for you. Um, the most troubling they fa- thing they found uh, in their investigation uh, was that they had found documents detailing the summary of the arrest of Houlihan and Ammerman in Tallahassee, right? Which yeah. is weird because it was the night before. It hadn't even oh. broken. The new the story had not broke yet. This was not out. Okay. Um, and so here we got a lot of fucking questions. This is questions. really freaking me out. Yeah, Jesse. we got a lot of fucking questions. We have a lot of fucking in- inconsistencies. First off, what's up with all of these? Com- it's 1987. Computers are not that ubiquitous yet. Why are they finding computers at all of these locations and yeah. in a fucking bus? Plus the telex, right? You have this retired master sergeant who becomes a hippie. All right, this is not... This is a master sergeant. This is not some slouch. This is a career man, not some mm, guy who right. served one tour in Vietnam right, and right. decided he was against the war. Uh, why is Mary counting in Chinese? Uh, how did they find out about the kids? When, and why the is arrest? that the only thing they taught her? In Chinese? I, yeah, that is weird. <laughs> um, and I have answers to all of these questions, but you're going to have to wait until next week. Oh, my God. Because okay. I have 600 pages of released FBI documents. Oh, to my pull God. Through. Nice. Uh, I love that. So, yeah, that's it. That's my the first so half of my story. You're leaving us with a cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah I am. Can I, can I just say, you look like someone who would live in Virginia and have the last name Houlihan. That's really mean. That's really Stacey. fucked up. Yeah, you're a fucking, <laughs> That's really you're a fucking piece of shit, Stacy Stark. <laughs> it's a super fucked up thing to say. Wow, you don't look like a hula. Thank you, Lynette. What's it, the other guy's name? Ayers, probably. Ammerman. Ammerman. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Look yeah like an Ammerman. I, can I look see like an Ammerman. I look like a game caller. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, if oh, I'm no. gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah. I'm gonna commit. That's disgusting. His first rule of comedy is you gotta commit to the bit. That really is not the first rule of comedy. I'm no, the first rule of comedy that. is uh, write a joke, get on stage and tell a joke. No, the first Can rule, that be the, the first, first rule of comedy, comedy is uh, the uh, you, poop. Poop is funnier than oh, farts and f- diarrhea. Is I was gonna say the first rule of comedy is that the microphone can be a dick. It can be. It can be if you want. It's it overused. Don't That's hump the, the stool. That's the first rule though. of comedy. Yeah. It can be a dick. Why does the first rule of comedy have to have anything to do with a dick? Because have you been to an open mic? It's all dicks. It's all dicks. The first rule of comedy is don't talk about comedy. The second rule of comedy is... It's Fight Club. Is, uh, no, you're not. The second rule of comedy is Fight Club. <laughs> Yeah. You've been listening to The Good, The Bad, and The Funny. The Good, The Bad, and The Funny is hosted by Jesse McIntyre, Stacey Stark, and Lynette Thomas. Intro music by Jared Scott. For more, follow us on Facebook at The Good, The Bad, and The Funny. And if you have any stories you'd like to hear featured on the podcast, or if you've seen a squirrel recently, you can email us at goodbadorfunny at gmail.com. Everybody say bye! 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 You nailed it that time.